Right, I'm going to introduce these lovely people here. Uh, first of all, Jason Barnard. You cannot believe this guy, who, who this guy interviews. It's, it's brilliant. It really goes. So that's strange brew. Um, we've got uh, Brian's brought along with us a lovely, lovely man, Andrew, who's also sings vocals on this album we're listening to tonight. He's Kate Bush's guitar tech, roadie, factotum, driver, sound man, appears in the videos and they've been friends since she was 15. So, uh, however, a big round of applause for Andrew, please. <laughs> and the man playing guitar, how long have you been playing guitar with Kate Bryan? Uh, well, not, not uh, non-stop, but uh, since she was very young, 13, 14, I went round the farm and uh, sat in there and was mesmerised by her skills and everything and uh, tried to play along with her unsuccessfully. No, a little <laughs> bit. And went away and thought, I've got to get better. So, and he did, and he's on this album one. tonight and he's going to tell us all about it. Will you please welcome... Brian Bath. Thank you very much. Thank you. Over to you, Jason. Thank you, Rev. I think this is a, an extra special cat club because we've been trying to do this for two years and I think there might be a, a few of you here that actually bought tickets a couple of years ago. And we, at the time, we were positioning it as, you know, celebrating 40 years of Never Forever, which was a pivotal album in, in Kate's career. And um, so it's extra special to... Uh, uh, for Brian and Andrew to be here tonight. I, I wonder, you know, firstly, to, to set the scene, it, it might be worth asking you both in turn your early memories of when you were first met Kate. Um, uh, was it you, Brian, who, who met her first? I guess so, yeah. Um, I, was, I used to go to the farm where she lived. Where I knew Paddy. I met Paddy, her brother, at a party... Uh, in uh, on Blackheath, a uh, crazy party. And he was... I was standing on the stairs with a guitar, I think, acoustic guitar, and that's what we used to do. And he just walked up the stairs with a mandolin, and I went, oh, great. And uh, he stood next to me, and we just started, you know, just started playing, jamming. Uh, and then he said, well, you, you know, he was with his girlfriend, he said, well, come back to my place, and we can just carry on jamming, forget the party. And we left the party, and went back to um, the farm and I continued going over there every now and then and one day um, Kate come up screaming through the door Paddy, 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 Paddy I can't, I can't do this violin lesson, I hate it <laughs> and uh, I said you know, oh right, great, you know so we sort of both, sort of, that's the first time I met her and said get behind the sofa hide behind there and her mother come up Kate, have you seen Kate? No, we haven't seen her and she was behind the sofa and she went off to the house. It was a room at the end of the farmhouse that was called the library. And um, we managed to get her out of a violin lesson because she hated it so much. <laughs> yeah. And then I went, was invited over to uh, play some songs with her, listen to her when I was about... When she was about 13, I was in a quite successful local band called Tame. And um, I took my guitar over there and I was just astounded by... Her how she was, her songs and everything. And um, she gave me a tape, uh, cassette to take home, um, which I've still got, actually. Well, I've got the case. Someone stole the, <laughs> stole the cassette, and all the titles are in there. And um, I just thought, I've got to 
start getting better and learning a bit more because I was in a progressive rock band, you know. <laughs> and the, the members of the band were Del on bass, which who was in uh, on the album, this album we're going to hear, and uh, Vic King was on drums in our in our school band that I formed with them, and uh, we became the band that took Kate into the pubs, and um, we were called the Katie. Katie Bush Band, that's us. Um, we've kind of reformed it, but Vic's dropped out again, so um, I'm back running it at the moment. And we do the odd gigs. It's quite a good band. It's a good band, yeah. And that's how I did all that business, yeah. And Andrew? <laughs> um, first met mm. Kate when, similarly, I knew Paddy because we were at college together, and he took me over to the farm where we did spend a lot of time and there was his sister, probably you know, about 15, still a school girl, but she had already recorded with Dave Gilmore at yeah. that time. And she had 200 songs written then <coughs> that she played on piano and uh, that. And likewise, I was bowled over with talent and... Uh, yeah, I remember her being around many of the times that we went over there, but it was a few years before she asked me to come on tour as guitar tech. And that was really the beginning of a long, ongoing working relationship and friendship. Uh, so many people, Brian, say that um, Kate's time in the KT Bush Band was key to her gaining confidence and... Yeah, and, and being, totally, yeah. And so how, how did um, you kind of make that path in, into the, the pubs? Well, uh, I, I think the first thing I said to her, it's well kind of documented, if you like, to the people that are really into that kind of early stuff, but uh, I said to her, can you learn... We used to cover um, Come Together in a band we were in, the Beatles song, and I said to her, do you think you could learn the lyrics to that, because I couldn't believe that anybody could learn the lyrics when I was 22 or something, that anyone could possibly learn the lyrics to come together. And she went, yeah, I'll learn them, yeah. And then, sure enough, she did. She did, you know, she learned all the lyrics and got it bang on, and she had no inhibitions at all about performing, and she had all these extraordinary ideas. So when we actually rehearsed at the farm, uh, in the barn, it was a bit of a tatty barn, but nice and fun, we used to light a fire and, and there was a tree stump in there we used to sit on sometimes to put... You know, we had, it was freezing cold usually and uh, we used to rehearse in there and then um, we rehearsed in Greenwich Baths and um, I had this gig that I did and she came along and she started dancing around and she was doing some of her songs. She was doing James, the big number that was... It was our finale at the end of the evening at the pub and whatever... And she had this rifle and she used to I mean, be shooting everyone down. And, and uh, we had smoke machines going and Paddy used to... Add, we had a couple of lights, didn't we? And oh, yeah. um, Lisa and Rob. Yeah. Rob used to have a van because he worked yeah. in a printer. And Lisa was, was um, Kate's really, really old school friend and they're, they're still friends to this day. And um, she was always a supporting girl. And uh, they'd just come along. It was, it was great fun. And we did loads of different places like that. But it was extraordinary because the, the, the bands were nothing like that. 
they had the rest of the bands. And uh, we, we kind of packed the place out and um, always had a good night. Yeah, the gigs at the Rose of Leave were exceptional. I went <clears> along to the first one and maybe there were 20 people in the pub and everyone had a really nice time. And we went along the next week and they had brought all of their friends. <laughs> so there were 100 people in there. The next week when we went along, they couldn't fit into the pub. It was spilling yeah. out onto the <clears> pavement. <throat> it was rammed. Must have had something to do with Kate being there and, and I performing. Think that yeah. All around, great. it was <laughs> absolutely great. amazing yeah, the response yeah. it got. Because, you know, it was just a pub gig, really, you know, but yeah. everyone picked up on how special Kate was. And, of course, the band were sensational. A special <laughs> guitar. It was very much a guitar-based band. It was loud, wasn't it? It was it pretty was loud. Excellent all round. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, many of Kate's demos, I, I assume, were piano-based. But obviously, when you get to the kick inside, it, you know, it's quite guitar-based. So, was the KT Bush band sort of key in terms of shaping that material and bringing it out of from piano, or, uh, or was it? Yeah, I suppose yes, uh, yes and no, really. Um, we did. We did do some demos. I've got the. I've got a tape of some demos we did in a studio called Delane Lee, uh, in a, uh, Regent Street, I believe it was, and uh, we did a couple of songs there. There's, there's a guy that runs the Capers Fan Club. Um, what's his name? Sean Toomey. Right. So he's been pestering. Well, not pestering me, but he's asking me about. There was a song we did called "The Dear Dead Days." We did a session up there. Vic, Dell, myself, the, the original band, and Paddy did some mandolin. And we had a there was a piano in there with um, drawing pins on the, uh, you know, the hammers. Yeah. Yeah. They were upright, and we loved that. Kate loved that sound, you know, honky tonk sound. You can hear that in James, that honky tonk bar barman piano, you know, that kind of thing. So we used that, and um, uh, there were some good ideas going around. You know, they were a bit rough the demos, but we, we did some kind of justice to some of the songs. I think it was Heavy People, James, and uh, this Dear Dead Days song, which I can still remember. And uh, that's never been used, that song, and many other songs. There were tons of songs that we went through yeah. over the farm when we were doing Lionheart and stuff like that. We we went through many of our songs that have never seen the light of day. They were great. But I remember Charlie saying, Charlie Morgan, who ended up playing drums at that point... Um, uh, no, no, not all of the songs are great. You know, some of them are not that good. <laughs> he, was, he was kind of, he used to say, he said something like that once. And, uh, but we were all giving it everything, you know, they were great songs. Yeah. And things, I mean, changed post the release of uh, Wuthering Heights, I guess. You know, I mean, going to number one and the adulation and yeah. lots of TV appearances and, mm. and then... I mean, people say to me, someone said to me the other day, did you play the solo on Wuthering Heights? And I said, no, no, I didn't play the solo. I said, but when we did TV shows and stuff, I, I played the solo in the early days and we used to go along with a band to, a, to a studios and there was just be a guitar, bass, drums um, and Paddy playing a more probably a mandolin and maybe some backing vocals and we had this thing, a piano orchestrated piano, it was called an Elka. And it was a really basic string machine, you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And it just went... You know, it was really feeble. 
and we were allowed one overdub, and that was our version of Wuthering Heights, which we recorded with, you know, orchestra. It was take so much time was spent over, and we had like ten minutes, you know, to do this <laughs> thing with one overdub. So that's what we were doing then. But um, on the tour, Murphy, Alan Murphy, you know, the great late great Al Murphy, sadly, um, he played guitar on the tour, and of course Ian Benson. Uh, did the guitar on the uh, the solo I'm talking about on the first album, and because um, Kate came over to me when we were rehearsing for the tour and said, "Look, Al hasn't got enough, so hasn't got a solo. You know, you're doing Robin Heights and James." I said, "Oh God, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, perhaps we should give Al a solo." And she said, "Well." Yeah, okay, then you were okay with that? I said, yeah, fine. And she said, well, what one do you want to do? Do you want to do Wuthering Heights or James? And I said, I think I'll do James. And I stuck with James, because James, James was actually supposed to be Kate's first single. That, right. What Bob Mercer wanted it to be a, her first single, the EMI guy, and she went right against it and said Wuthering. But, wow. Uh, so that's how we spread things out. But I was doing stuff on Strange Phenomena and all that, wasn't he? Yeah, indeed. He was blasting away. He was yeah. having great fun, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, so. you know, John <clears throat> Kelly, the engineer, always said you can't improve on Ian Benson's guitar solo. Mm. And I still listen to it today and marvel at how perfect a piece it is. Mm. And mm. Al pretty much copied it night after night on tour. Mm. The way it comes in... That long note, yeah. That, you know, you, you set it up with feedback... Yeah. When we, we were doing a, a session, we were doing this TV session, we, we, we were allowed to do the backing track uh, of Wuthering Heights, and I was trying to get that feedback at the beginning of the solo. I don't know if everyone remembers it. It goes, you know, an upper C sharp, and I couldn't get it. And I, I used to get feedback when I was playing in the Rose of Lee because I was so loud, you know, the thing was valve amp, it was steaming. And I thought, I'm in this studio, and I thought, oh, God, this is driving me mad, I can't get, can't get the sound. And I, thought, I said, I'm just going to go out for a while. I've got to find a music shop. I'm going to buy an Ebo. There's this thing called an Ebo. And you hold it on the guitar and, it, and the note lasts forever. You can just hold it like it goes, wee. You hold it, you could, as long as you amped in conk out, you could play forever with this one note that once you've struck it. And I went out the, the, the studio and I walked up the road and this guy come walking towards me and I was just about to say, excuse me, do you know where the music shop is? And it was Ian Benson who <laughs> played the solo on the, on the album. And we were in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't believe it. I thought, they've asked him to walk round the block in case it doesn't work out and he's going to come in. But he swore that he didn't. He said, oh, do you know... I, he said, I stand by the amp and get feedback. I said, oh, that's what I was doing. Why am I not doing it now? That's what I was doing. So I did that. I went back in and just did that. Isn't that strange? <laughs> but these things happen with Kate. These strange things keep going on. Yeah. Andrew, I mean, in terms of where you come in, is, 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 is often the, the live shows. Can you go through kind of that process in terms of what Kate and the group and everyone in, around Kate did in terms of preparing for a tour and the attention yeah. to detail? Um, at the end of 1978, there were <clears throat> long rehearsal periods, a place called Wood Wharf in Greenwich that was oh, yeah. literally right on the riverside with mud and boats outside the window yeah. and the Thames there. And we were in there for a while. Kate, and... come back from dance lessons. We'd be starting up yeah. the band. We'd be yeah. rehearsing the backing tracks. 
Yeah. Happy to be singing like Kate an octave lower. Yeah. I'm heavy people. <laughs> and we moved to Shepperton. Yeah. And things started to get more serious with a bit of scenery coming they in. They the mirrors in, the big mirrors the for dancers. the dancers. Yeah. You could see what was going on in reverse. And when everyone saw the dancers, it was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah, this is serious. very real. How <laughs> 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 do we get this wrong? <laughs> uh, and yeah. uh, Jay's wife was making us all the food. That's so Kate's whenever we had brother, breaks, yeah. there would be all this amazing homemade food. And... Um, Faulty Towers had just had the episode where the Americans asked for the Waldorf salad. And we got this enormous plate of Waldorf salad served up one day that everyone was laughing their heads off at lunchtime and uh, that. So that went on and then next it went to the Rainbow, which was a big um, theatre, one of the best venues in London. There are legendary Van Morrison albums from there. Many other people had been there. Unfortunately, it's no longer (laughs) happening as a venue. But it was great to be in there. You really did feel like this would be fantastic. And, you know, the PA system started to come together. But the funny thing was half of the loudspeakers were wired up the wrong way round which means they almost cancel each other out. And no matter how much they turned it up, it never seemed to be happening. And somebody said, well, you could open them up and just check the connections. And sure enough, you know, once it was rewired properly, an amazing PA system. But that's what happens if you just use hire companies randomly, you know, all these speakers. They've been out. People have messed around with them. And... uh, that made a huge difference. And when Kate did the revival show a few years ago, again, there was an issue with the PA system and she got James Guthrie, the producer, in and he prescribed extra bass cabinets and I don't know what else, but the people I knew said the sound was suddenly absolutely amazing. And... Mm. Yeah, I remember going back to the James thing. I remember that we it was recorded the, the one that you just played a little while ago that you bought, and we were playing it. And I had, you know, I said I had the solo, and I remember John Kelly, the uh, engineer producer who produced the Never Forever album with Kate, come up to me, and they got the the Stones system out, Rolling Stones sound uh, wagon outside, and it was all these cables everywhere, everything was wired, but I was mic'd up, and he said, "Can I hear your guitar, Brian?" I went, yeah, sure, and I, I plugged in it. He said, what are you doing on the solo? And I pressed this f- flanger. I was me and myself and Murphy were using the same fl- electric flanger, MXR flanger with a, uh, a showbud swell pedal. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll kick that in, and this is my sound, Wee! like that. And he went, oh, it's really noisy. And it was noisy. <laughs> he said, when you get to the solo, can you not press that? I went, oh, OK, then. And he walked around, I thought, that's my sound. I can't... It's ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I come up to the show, and I usually take notes of engineers, because you have to, really. And it come up to the solo, and I thought, no, and I kicked it. And I just <laughs> went wailing away with it. Um, you know, but um, they can give you problems, engineers. It just sounds great <laughs> in the studio. And they come in, they go, they don't sound right. And they go, well, come and listen to it in here. It sounds great in here, and it does. And I've had many problems with that kind of thing over the years. Yeah. 
So for Lionheart, <clears throat> that was the first album where members of the KT Bush band featured on. So you could see the, the influence of Kate growing as part of that, which ultimately Hopefully, culminated yeah. with Never Forever. Mm. I think Del was uh, strong because he's such a great, strong bass player. I mean, um, his bass player is... I wouldn't say it's underrated, but I think on, on the scale of things, I think it probably is. His bass plan was just yeah. massive, you know. You've got the John yeah. Giblins that are on the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Babushkas and the, uh, you know, which is just masterpieces of... But um, Dell's stuff is just so brilliant, you know. Yeah. Probably because I taught him how to play. <laughs> no, I taught him how to play 12-bar blues, you know, and a couple of things. Yeah. You know, uh, Strange Brew, things like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Great blues song. What a song. That's what McCartney says. He calls a rock and roll, he calls them songs. And I, I remember thinking, they're not songs, they're just rock and roll, aren't they? They're all sort of similar. <laughs> but they're not really, they're songs. They, you know, they really are. Yep. And, uh, but when you're a guitar player and you think, and you, you, to me, when you're not born with that kind of thing, you think, oh, how can I just make every song sound different? It's a different approach. But they're kind of one of a one of a kind, you know, those kind of rock and roll guitar players are just phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Oh, and uh, so that leads us into Never Forever and <clears throat> it's fitting to mention Babushka and that was a song actually that was that, quite, that, that was a song that actually was required quite a lot of preparation and, and rehearsal. Oh yeah, we were doing that. Uh, we By this time, <clears throat> we, we, I mean, I was putting the you know, as I say, the charts, that's what I always say. I used to go around Kate's. She'd call me up and say, Brian, you know, do you want to come around and put some charts together for the, you know, the songs that we're hopefully going to put on the new album? Yeah, great. So I'd bomb around her place and um, <clears throat> take some manuscripts. And it was very basic. I'd just try and organise her chorus, uh, middle intro, chorus, middle, where it changes pace and... You know, whether it goes into this and do the best I could, and there's a middle eight. Kate, you're doing that middle eight there. Are you really playing it? Let's have a look at the, what notes you're doing. She'd be going like this, and then she'd play it differently the next time. And I'd say, oh, <laughs> hang on a minute. But she actually did play them as a piece. Uh, Kate was was really consistent with her playing, wasn't she? Amazing. When she yeah. was when she'd worked her piano pieces out, yeah. they were like a classical piece. You could take every all the all the flowery stuff off. And you'd hear this just incredible piano. That's why I think that's why she's got this thing like um, probably rap or with Elton John. I should imagine they sit down and talk piano. It's just incredible. And um, but um, so we had to work around that. And you know the certain inversions, the tone that goes, you know, with with all the kind of fitting in and out. And sometimes you'd have to go really down to the basics and. Uh, I mean, like the guitars on Babushka are so simple, but it took us ages to get through all this other stuff to get to really simple things uh, because it, there wouldn't be room for space for other things to fit in. You see, I was, you know, we were always playing fifths and you know roots and fifths, so you don't um, you don't suggest the third too much in the chord, which makes it state itself completely. If you sticks roots and fifths you can play with the third you know and it will pop out with the piano or the vocals maybe and things like that and that's just from the basic you know the backing track point of view and then andrew 
people would just get co-opted into doing bits for the album. And you're noted as vocals and vocals brackets backing. <laughs> yep. So, so, I'd love to say I remember every moment of it, but the truth is I was often was a long asked time ago. to do a little bit and you never knew whether it would stay on the track or just be mm. erased, recorded over. But, um, you know, I was around for lots and lots of those recording sessions, you know, mostly just sitting in the control room, marvelling at what everyone was doing down in the studio. I think because... a lot of us were credited with doing things that we can't remember or we didn't do. I don't know if all recording uh, is like that. I mean, certainly... that song, The Wedding List, I came up with this guitar line, you know, there's this prominent guitar line, which is kind of the hook. And I used to work so hard to try and find these hooks, you know, and it usually a quite very simple thing. And I remember Kate calling me in to do uh, the vocal at the end with her. I had to sing in uh, like an octave below her for the for the the long outro about when he shot the guy and all this business. So I sang with her uh, because when when the when the live album was out, I I sang on that, and they decided to redo the backing vocals. Yeah. And I went, yeah, but I sung I've sung it already, <laughs> and I was trying to be a sort of a purist or an idiot or something. Because I could have got paid for another session, <laughs> and, um, yeah. uh, but I didn't turn up, and uh, which was silly of me, really. I mean, I don't buy. Um, I suppose I was trying to make some sort of point. I stupid. And but then she asked me to come in and sing on the wedding list, the bit at the end. And uh, I went into the studio with her, and we had mics either side of this small room. I can't remember where it was. It was quite a small room. Maybe it was Air Studios or something. And we started getting hysterical. We were laughing so much. There was tears coming out. I was on the floor laughing our heads off. Because it, it was just so funny to be doing this, this thing. And she said, Brian, come on, get, get yourself together. We've really got to do this. We've got to work. And uh, we spent ages doing that, you know. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, <clears throat> uh, is, is the, uh, the promotional films, the music videos. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, the, 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 one of the most evocative is Army Dreamer, Dreamers. And you, are you both in, in that video? Oh, yeah. He's, in a full, He's a captain with a gun. Full yeah. army gear. Yeah. yeah. And we rehearsed it all, didn't we, at the farm? It, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was involved in getting all the costumes... Oh, and you got them? ..all of that <laughs> sort of thing, from. you know, the hiring of this <laughs> stuff was a huge concern. And all of the band were in the video yeah. and everyone looked incredible in their military yeah. kit, you know. I yeah. certainly don't like in any way to glorify war, war or anything, but there was something amazing Do you about... remember Rocket on the video? And this Rocket. is my best memory of all, yeah, is Rocket. in the video, I am running as the leader of the troop. <laughs> I'm wearing a beret and the rest of the people are wearing helmets. And... I was running full tilt, and Rocket, the cameraman, was running was backwards, yeah. looking down into the viewfinder <laughs> yeah. of his camera. Yeah. And, you know, how he went between the trees and all yeah, of this yeah. at <laughs> full backwards running speed, I don't know. But yeah. 
he was the top man. Yeah. And... Do you remember the um, the explosions with the um, the bungee cord on? Oh yeah. Uh, someone would be running forward, it that explosion it goes, and someone yeah. would be flying through the air. Yeah. Oh, let's have a go. Everyone wants to have a go. I want to have a go. <laughs> Murphy got a go. By the time they yeah. finished that, I don't no, think there was time to do I me. Didn't. I'm too oh, heavy. I wait for that. <laughs> Kate is the, the best one because she weighed nothing. Yeah. And they had two of the biggest guys you've ever seen who pull on the... They call it a jerk jacket. Yeah. So you're wearing this thing with a hook on the back and they absolutely launched her. <laughs> and it looks great, you know. I mean, that is... And the breathing one, where we went in the breathing water. Breathing in Did the lake. the lake? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we went out in February, it was, and we had these dry, dry suits on, yeah. or were they wet suits? I can't remember. And we had this, like, fallout sort of white overall yeah. thing on. We went into the water and I was on the far edge yeah. and um, I couldn't swim. So we, we had to go into the lake and we thought anything to be in the video and uh, kind of thing. Submerge. And we had to submerge and Paddy's yeah. going, just reach out for me if you want. Yeah. You know, and we, we, sub, we went under the water and it was like, it was hell, wasn't it? It was Absolutely. freezing. Absolutely. And Kate and Roy Harper, because they couldn't get their hair wet because they had to look good for the video, they were at the front going... Like this. <laughs> and we all up here, up yeah. like this, you know. So but Roy Harper turned a weird blue-purple colour in the cold water. <laughs> I mean, he really... I was worried about him. When we did the backing vocals for um, Breathing as well, which is on this one, of course, um, we did them at Abbey Road, myself, Paddy and Roy, and um, he was so loud uh, that the, the studio, studio... Yeah, Studio 2, the Beatles one, where you go down the stairs. Yeah. That's where we did most of the album. If you imagine the person was about that big in this... Probably the, in the scale of the studio, you know, about two foot high or so, or a metre and a half, whatever you call it. And we were by... Myself and Paddy were by the microphone. Paul, um, Roy was so loud that he was in the corner over there. <laughs> His voice was, like, the loudest voice. He doesn't need a PA system. You can hear him from... He's so loud. Yeah. So, obviously, Kate went sort of deeper into her muse, more synthesizers and yeah. more experimentation. How, how did that evolve in terms of your involvement? Oh, well, I, yeah, I was a bit worried then. I was getting less um, involved, really. Um, it seemed to be synth this and synth that. It was difficult to work the guitar in, really, to some of the songs. And... Uh, I think Murphy had the right idea. I wish I'd have thought to myself, what you do is you just get a great guitar sound, usually a clear sound, and just double up with a piano line here and there. And that's <laughs> what he was doing. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. So simple. Kate would go, no, no, no. Like that, and he'd go, no, no, no. I thought, oh, God, he's standing by the piano. I thought, oh, damn, I'm out of work, and he's, he's just doing what she's doing. Simple. Yeah, but you know? he'd also make just like, little percussion oh, it phrases. Just really that... works. It was yeah. terrific, yeah. You know, she yeah. loved working with him because yeah. while he wasn't in the studio, he was just being creative. And he'd just say, oh, I've been doing this thing. And yeah. she'd go, oh, <clears throat> could you do that on here? And that was how tracks were put together. But Peter Gabriel lent Kate a drum machine, a really early Roland drum machine. Yes. And that was the first time that she'd thought of composing that way. And it was... A radical leap for her, and she got a Lin drum, which is a bigger, more mm. sophisticated drum. Machine I did all the guitars on um, um, Blow Away. 
I remember I did all the guitar, I did all the acoustic, all the zingy little droply, kind of uh, pretty acoustic guitars. And then I was doing the electric guitar and all the fills and stuff with, through a Roland jazz chorus I had there, uh, we had there. And uh, I remember at this stage, for some reason, it was just Kate and Murphy in the control room. And I remember, I think it was like, oh, yeah, that, that'd be enough now, Brian. And I remember Al going, I can see what you're doing there. But he's been credited as playing the electric guitar, but I played that guitar. So I'm not <laughs> sure what happened there, as I went home. <laughs> but I remember playing all the guitars on there. Yeah. So it's a bit of a, bit of a funny one, that. Well, yeah. But maybe you can't really tell. He, he might. No. He may have. It's quite possible he replaced all the electric guitars I did, because each yeah. one yeah. ends on a different note yeah. as it goes into the. Uh, uh, you know, it's like an orchestra, very orchestral the way it's been. You know, this note, a leading note, will take you into the next part. Sometimes you need a down note uh, that will just possibly take your mind somewhere, but the song would carry on over that way. It's like an art, really, to doing that. Yeah. And as we segue into playing the uh, the album, <clears throat> maybe just a reflection on, on a final reflection on Never Forever. I mean, it, it, for me, it works, especially when you've got kind of the interludes that come in, and it can, mm. you know, the, the songs segue into each other, and yeah. uh, you know, a, yeah. a key, a, a pivotal album in Kate's career. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I think it's a, probably the best album. Because yeah. I'm on it most. <laughs> no. Um, no, well, you know, um, but um, what was I thinking? I was thinking, I said earlier, didn't I, about Egypt. Yeah. We did Egypt on tour, on the tour of life. We did Egypt in a totally different way. I spoke to Preston, the drama, uh, a few months back, and he said, oh, have you heard the Egypt on tour? It was great. It was so good because it was all like, all rhythm yeah. in it. Kate was dancing around and it was Egyptian stuff. And we did the Egypt the other version of it and uh, it was really difficult to play because it went into 11-8 or something at the end there was some yeah. weird thing but Max Middleton the keyboard player had brought this along he turned up one day and we we were playing Egypt trying to get it in air studios and he went da 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 that, that riff at the end he started playing that riff and Kate went oh that's great and he said well I'm writing this um, this new song I'm writing this new song and she went, she bought it off him. She bought the end off him. I think she gave him 250 quid for it. You know. <laughs> but I could be wrong, but I'm sure that's what happened. I'm almost certain it was Max's riff, and Kate bought it off him. Yeah. And I was taken off that session. I, was, I could play the riff. There was, and then they were all laughing at me, and Preston was going, oh, he's been taken off the session. I was sitting at top of Air Studios over Oxford Street with a sketchbook. I was quite happy. I was a bit nervous in there. And then it was like, on the microphone, uh, Preston, could you come in the control room, please? And that was the signal. You know, it's Brian, can you come in the control room? You know, and you were taken off the session, you know? And so Preston came in and he went... He sat, and he sat next to me at Air Studios. And he went, I've never been taken off a session in my life. <laughs> and he was, like, really upset, you know? Yeah. I, I was as well. Yeah. And then it was like, uh, can you come in the control room? And, it was, and then they were, like, ringing up from the old diary and bringing other people in. There was all these, like, constant coming and going of different session people, you know? So you, you, you had to be pretty good to sort of, sort of keep yeah, your I mean, own sometimes. I think the know? important thing is that that was really the first time that Kate, working with John Kelly, right. had become producer 
and they worked so well together. John Kelly is a superb technical engineer, and you know he's, he's still working producing people's yeah. stuff and uh, the stuff done at Air Studios and later at Abbey Road, just phenomenal. Yeah, it's stuff. masterful. He's yeah. a producer now. The singer, yeah. the first singer we had in the in the new Katie Bush band that, that was put together was a girl called Jodie May, and she was at the time she was working with John Kelly. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, uh, um, which was quite odd, you know. Brilliant. Well, maybe mm. that's a fitting way to end it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Temporarily end. Are we taking yeah. a, a short break? Yeah, Ten-minute break. Ten, ten break, and uh, a, a great thank you to, to Brian and Andrew for sharing their, their memories, and then we'll go into the album. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. After listening to the record, we had a post-album discussion and a bit of a Q&A. That was great, and uh, the guitar player wasn't bad either. <laughs> could we hear it, you, Andrew? Could, could you hear it yourself? No. Oh, OK. <laughs> well, we'll have a round of applause for Andrew anyway. I was there somewhere. Jason, over to you. I mean, just, uh, just a reflection on Never Forever. I mean, not only great playing, but Kate's vocals. Oh, just yeah. stunning. Superb. Stunning. Yeah. yeah, shows you the power she's got and the the range really and the uh, the different tones. Um, I'm I'm not sure she's really surpassed that, but you never know. I mean, she's still she's obviously still singing. And I spoke to her a while ago, but unfortunately, a really good friend of ours is quite ill. So I spoke to her a few days ago. We're we're praying. There's lots of uh, monks that are giving the old um, about a hundred monks praying for our guy. And uh, but I didn't get a chance to talk about where, where her music is at the moment, and uh, I'm sure she's making a new album. Because Kate is always making an album. <laughs> yeah. Which no is, matter how long it no takes. No matter how long it takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's where we are. With, well, I am with Kate at the moment, yeah. but I'm sure she's making music. She must be. Yeah. And yeah. I think she won an Ivor Novello Award for songwriting from that album. I'm not... What, from Absolutely. Never Forever? I think so. Really? I, I, you know... Well, I mean, night-scented stock one, is worth more than anything in the whole world, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of the, the best... The vocals on that. The vocals on night-scented stock. Yeah. God, I mean, that could be Westminster Abbey or something like that. It's just fabulous. Don't forget that was before auto-tune. That's like okay. Kate just singing. I mean, her pitch is so brilliant, you know. Um... You know, there was no tricks at all in the studio in those days. Not really, but not on the vocals especially. Um, I like all those subliminal things that I don't remember hearing on, um, you know, the things like Wedding List. There was kind of, whoa, things going on and all that stuff that was kind of developed as she went on uh, to other things. I was talking to Del the other day, Del Palmer, you know, who was a, who was a partner... Um, Many years, you know, uh, I kind of introduced them, really, I guess, in the Casey Bush band days, plug, plug. And, uh, <laughs> but um, I was going to say, I, he, I said to him, I said to him, Del, the wedding list, and I, I didn't actually hear it today, the, uh, the, the string section, which Max Middleton scored, who was the keyboard player on Breathing 
apart from not piano, the piano, uh, the Fender Rhodes. He was a Fender Rhodes man. He never owned one. When we got to the studio, there would be a Fender Rhodes in the studio. That's Max Rhodes. He always plays the Fender Rhodes. He played on Blow by Blow with Jeff Beck. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, I remember playing with him in um, Air Studios, and he was just jamming away, and I was jamming away over the corner there. And I said, God, Max, that was great. I ended up on the same note as you. <laughs> and he said, you should have turned up. I couldn't hear you, you know. And I was, he said to me, you're standing exactly where Jeff was when, they, when he was doing Blow, 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 you know, some of the stuff. I mean, what? Great, you know, George Martin and all that. But um, I said to Del a few, um, you know, last week, I said to him, the wedding list. I said, Max... I said, the, the string section, you know, if you listen to the bass line and the string section, that's Max bass, that all around Del's bass, bass line, which was just fantastic line. And uh, I said to him, I'm going to tell everyone this when I come to this, this, uh, this event this evening. And I said, that was just great. He said, yeah, but it was, it was after that. I said, it was, it was the, after that. I said, what do you mean, what came after that? And I was thinking, what came after that? It was actually violin. He said, the, um, the Dreaming album. And I thought, oh, God, you know. I was asking him what track came next, which was violin. And he, he said, the this album. is the Dreaming. Sorry, it's, it's, it was funny at the time, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we open it up. Open it up. He just skipped the complete... I was just going to say, show, show us your logo on your shirt again, Brian, because I've only seen it 23 times. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, well Del was in the band, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, Vic yeah. was in the band. I mean, Vic formed, reformed the new one, and he asked me um, over ten years, he asked me three times, and I said, no, I don't want to do that, I can't do that. It's just, just not on, you can't do it. And the, and the third time, I went, oh, all right, then. And he had this great bass player. And we went to this little studio in Cambridge, I think it was. And I said, well, learn six songs, I'll come along. And I started, I played, and we didn't have a vocalist or anything. We started playing some of Kate's songs in a really basic... And it was like going into the studio or in a rehearsal yeah. room in the old days, because Vic was the original drummer, Vic King. And I... I just played for like three, four, five hours with this great bass player, this Steve Bevan. He's just a tremendous bass player. And um, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I felt great. You know, I thought these songs are so good. And there was just the two of us and it, the three of us, and it took so long. It took us like two years or something to find a singer. And. Um, probably the same to find a keyboard player and we, we kind of yeah. worked from there and it was it was really nice you know to actually uh, uh, there was no ulterior motive we just wanted to play some nice music uh, Kate's music how do you replace Kate's vocals with somebody else it's... well we got this girl Jody Jody May yeah and she went to the um, Vic founder Oh, no, the Steve, the bass player, he went into his local music shop. He lived in, he lives in Harlow, and uh, we were looking for a singer. And he went in there, and we were struggling. Vic was going through these lists of singers on band this, band that, and want to find a band and all this. We went. He said, oh, I can't find any. 
And Steve one day went into the music shop to buy another bass or another amp or something. And um, the, the guy said, oh, this, this thing's just, just, just come in. Um, Jody May. And um, he got a number quick. And I, I think I phoned her up and said, are you interested? It turned out she went to the um, McCartney... She won a scholarship to the McCartney um, uh, thing at Liverpool Institute yeah. oh, that he thanks. supports. And her and her husband, he, he Andy Platts, he's got this great band, and um, she was really up for it, and she became our singer. Very good. And that was how we started the, restarted the Katie Bush band, you know? Excellent. Any questions, anyone? Yep. All right, Mr... Ah. Could you pass this? Pass this? Pass this? <laughs> so, Brian... I'm really interested in the process, how Kate works. It, yeah. So that bass line on breathing, it's a fretless bass, I think. Yes. And it's extraordinary. Yeah. So how does she work with that? Does she just say, this is the track, come in and try something, or does she have something in mind that she's, she's trying to get to communicate? Um, well, I think when John Giblin was the man who did that bass... Uh, he played on Babushka, as you probably know, obviously know. And uh, I just remember waiting there. The drummer had been removed, and uh, finally, and she called Stuart. I said, I think I said maybe said to her, I think we should get Stuart in. You know, I was kind of um, like that. And um, Stuart did come in. It took hours for him to turn up, and we were there for like three days playing. Breathing and Babushka, trying to get them right. It just went on forever, these sessions. And um, John Giblin turned up, and he just started messing around, and we just kept going. Keep going, keep going. We get to the end of the song, and we start up again, we go at the beginning, Kate go, dun, 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 you know, this sort of thing. And Giblin would start just feeling his way in there, and you knew it was happening, you know? We've all got the cans on, we're in... Studio 2, and um, the song really started to, you know, come alive. And um, But I think John Giblin actually just, just added all that. He was on the harmony trail, you know? He was, like, in the middle of the song, playing all these kind of melodies. Yeah. And, um, you know, he did that for uh, breathing as well. So he, he kind of found his own way, really. I think there was the odd... Oh, John, can you do this there? That's great. Keep that in. And all that kind of thing. I mean, Max was Max Middleton was playing the Fender Rhodes on Breathing. He's going, ding, 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 ding. And we're going, oh, we're all looking at each other. Going, oh, God, he's out of tune. He's going, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and we go, oh, God. And we're going through it, and he kept doing it like this. And we go, we're all looking at each other. <laughs> and, and then eventually we're all going... Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Max's note, because he was right. Max was so outside of the, the song, he was pushing us in a different direction. The whole band was kind of moving toward... Because it was done as a band, you see. We were kind of... The, ba the basic track was kind of a live band, you know. Yeah. So she just... Um, she's waiting to hear it. She just keeps recording until she hears what yeah, she Yeah, just keeps going. And then, that's, and then, then we, yeah. we go, we're going to go for one, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the Beatles thing, because we were in the Beatles studio, so we were... Uh, a lot of things were... When Kate first went to Abbey Road, she came back and she said, 
I've just been to Abbey Road. It stinks of the Beatles. She said, we're going, yeah, you know, can't wait to get there. And we got to Abbey Road, it's like, what? We're in Abbey Road. What? This is just brilliant. And we, like, lived there, you know? I, I picked up... When we were starting the album, I picked up all my... Every guitar I had, took everything up there, I had it all in the studio. It was all... I mean, every case and guitar I possibly had was in there, and I used to... Um, Sorry, Andrew. I used to pick her up every day uh, for a long, long time. In my, she gave me a VW Beetle, jeans Beetle. Um, you know, I, I had that. I used to drive that around. Uh, Paddy had it before me, but he thrashed it to bits. But uh, it still works. He used to go up Shooters Hill in uh, fifth gear. But right. uh, after Paddy used it, it, it was like he used to struggle up there in third gear, you know. <laughs> and uh, but I used to pick her up. I used to go around to Wickham Road where she lived with Dell and pick him up every morning, like bang on the door, phone her, you know. So is it true that she used to spend all day in the studio then? And in bed, bed, I think, in bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the studio. Yeah, it was there all the time. Yeah. It was there all the time. For weeks, and uh, I used to love going there. I used to pick her up. Sometimes they would go, no, I want to watch the football. I don't want to go there. I'd be sitting there watching the football. Oh, come on, Kate, we're going to the studio. And we used to just go up to the studio, you know, go drive up through town when it was reasonably easy to do. Then, wasn't exactly. It? No, you could get pick up some guitar minutes. strings. Oh, I'll buy them for you. Oh, yeah, oh, great, thanks. You know, and um, we were there for we were there for it seemed like months, but it we was probably months. weren't. It was months, was it? Yeah. Yeah, and when we went in there, I remember going into Studio <laughs> 2. When, when, for some reason, we went downstairs and went the back way. It's like when I met Eric Clapton at Blooming Essex Music. We went in there one day. Eric Clapton's here. Oh, God, everyone went running around. I thought, oh, God, I can't do all that. And I, I went downstairs. There were all the, the bands running all around the building trying to find Eric Clapton. I went downstairs... And he came out of the lift. <laughs> I went, you're Eric Clapton. And he went, yeah. I went, oh, great, Eric. I've got this mandolin that's built for me, you know. Do you want to see it? And he went, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of sort of crazy thing. But, um, um, yes. but uh, we went downstairs in Abbey Road and there, and there was another entrance leading into the studio too, the famous Beatles studio. And uh, there was a commissioner there, you know, with the hat on and the, you know, the coat, the Sergeant Pepper's uniform, whatever it was. And uh, I said to him, oh, it's a wonderful studio. I said, this is, Paul McCartney comes in. It's because there was a piano in there, an upright piano. And it said, Lady Madonna was played on this piano, plus other people, don't touch it. (laughs) And um, and they had the, the, um, what's the thing that Lennon used on the um, uh, strawberry fields? Uh, Mellotron. Mellotron. The Mellotron was it. It was all broken. It was all tapes hanging off it, and it was a sad state. Uh, but I spoke to this guy, this commissioner guy, and I said, "Paul McCartney." He says, "When Paul McCartney comes, you know when he's coming because they've cleaned, polished the floor. You know the parquet <laughs> flooring." So McCartney was like up here, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Boring. Sorry about it. Did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> Some time ago. We can't, we can't remember what it was. Sorry about that. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Right, Mr Michael O'Connell. Oh, thank you. Sunday name, thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> Michael, Michael. Um, to, to both of you, um, what was it like listening to it, the album? 
just now. Tonight. Oh, it was great. It yeah, was superb. Great. Superb. Yeah. yeah, I was half of me was at where I used to live was uh, I used to live in a council flat in Charlton. You know, like three floors up or something with my girlfriend, you know, my wife, eventually, and um, we used to listen to it up there, and, I, and it was like between listening to there when it was actually, or bringing the, the tapes home or the cassette copy and listening to it going, whoa, you know, before it was mixed, and it was the kind of listening to it in the, in the studio in, like, Abbey Road or Air, and occasionally they'd go crank it up and let's have a loud one, they you know, and listening to it there, but the sound was just so good. And tonight, it was just fabulous on your equipment. Really good. Well, I think it's really great. Round, round yeah. Round yeah, well done, Dre. Thank you. Well done, Dre. Yeah. So Kate did like to listen very loud. Yeah. yeah. She used to have her headphones. Uh, you'd never, you wouldn't, none of you guys would be able to listen to headphones as loud as she did. Yeah. They were stonking loud. I mean, like, it was... I mean, you couldn't go near them. You put them on, and they were those D... D what were they, D, D50s? Were they, the Bayer, Bayer, Bayer Dynamics one. You yeah. know, the studio? Yeah. So loud! I mean, I've got a pair. I mean, I can't, I yeah. can't put them on. My ears are... No, they're not take. good headphones. No, they're not. They're I don't know why they use them. In <coughs> yeah, they're <laughs> industry standard. Ivan used to turn them upside down and make them into cow yes. horns, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that noise then? Oh, stay, stay away from the brown acid. feedback. There's an incredible number of, of musicians on this album, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Did you did you meet everybody, or were it all done separately, or? I got to meet a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I got to drive a lot of them to the sessions. Yeah. <laughs> They were coming from all sorts of weird corners, but... Anyone for punting? Punting. It makes you think what, what kind of a mind just wants all these people and, and yeah. to play all these instruments. It's amazing. It really is. I mean, Preston said recently in an article in, um, I don't know, Q magazine or something, like, he said that uh, when she did Sat in Your Lap, which was a later song, he said Jimmy Page... Uh, Jimmy Bain, the bass player, was hanging around in the corridor. He wasn't hanging around in the corridor because I was at the at Kate's house in um, Court Road in Elton, and he was called in. I was there, you know. But it's just all this stuff gets mixed up. You know, yeah. people can't remember it correctly. You know. Yeah. Um, Whatever is that important? I don't know. <laughs> it was important for me because that was the last time I played with her. Yeah. You know. Jason, have you got a last question to, to finish us off? Um, I think... Because... Um, I, I guess one of the shifts was um, Kate retreating from the live arena. Because I, I recall when yeah, we spoke, Brian, that she yeah. was always saying, well, a, a couple of years or whatever, and it, mm. it didn't quite happen, but mm. she kind of retreated more into the studio base. Yeah. And... and yeah. I wonder if Never Forever is kind of that, that cusp album where it's got that that guitar, piano, bass, but then starts to bring the experimentation and synth and yeah. I think Drums maybe a bit synth. of the fair, fair light in there. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's what makes this album special. It's it's an album on yeah. the cusp. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I mean, that was the, the, the album was almost... But I always thought of it as the album 
with the band that was on the tour. Because when we came off the, the, the tour of life, as it was called, as it was known, it was a great title, really, um, or phrase, um, I just thought, that band's got to last forever. It's such a great band. And uh, we should have gone to America, you know, but uh, it was just too expensive, wasn't it, to take well, the whole show there out? There should have been and more gigs in England, more gigs it. in Europe. It was funny, yeah. as it was coming together, yeah, gigs started getting cancelled to make room for logistics, I think, yeah. you know, that it was too hard to get the whole show to the next city. It so. would have been great if we'd have got that to the States, you know. Yeah. I was just really... I thought it was going to go, I really did, you know. It was such a shame, you know. Well, yeah. never mind, Brian. Brilliant album. You brought brilliant it to Pontefract, album. and we're yeah, very yeah, grateful. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. It's been wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's, and and uh, what can I say, Mr. Brian Bath? Yeah. Thank you, folks. Thank you, everybody. And all great gigs need a great, great audience, and you've been one tonight. Give yourself a round of applause. Yeah, very great. Thank you, and good night. That leaves only one person to give applause, and that's Ray. Yeah. Yeah.